So today I'm starting a new series titled Unto Maturity. Unto Maturity. We finished the series Faith in God. And I was going to start a series titled Rest in God. But I felt strongly God wanted us to deal with the subject of maturity. Because in the Christian faith, you can't access certain things if you are not matured. You can pray all the prayer you want to pray in life. If you are not mature, God will not hand certain things over to you. The level of your maturity determines the level of access you have into the things that God has for you. So some of us are fasting and praying about a lot of things, but our maturity is not up there. Our capacity is not there to be able to handle what God is bringing. And I pray that God would help us that we will grow in him, that we will not be babies in him. Shout a big amen. Amen. That as you continue in your work with God, you will grow. Shout a big amen. amen. If I said you have a car, you shout a big amen. Shout a bigger amen that you will grow. Amen. Amen. We like material things so much. The essential things that will help us to have the material things and sustain them, we'll say amen to them. Oh, you are blessed. You have a four-bedroom house. Amen. You have a wife, wife next year. Amen. You get a visa. Amen. amen. You will grow. Hallelujah. If any of you has given birth and your child is not growing, it is a, it's a point of concern. I mean, if you give birth and your child at two years cannot walk, cannot talk, it becomes a point of concern because all of us know that naturally when a child is born, they must what? Grow. And, and God also desires that you and I will not remain the same, but we what? Grow. When we grow, then we position ourselves to have access to things. So if my now comes to ask me for a car today, Daddy, I want a car, I want to drive a car, say, you are not ready to drive a car. Because you are not what? Matured enough to handle it. You are not grown enough to drive a car. And so, some of us are, are believing God for things, asking God for things, trusting God for things, wanting God to do things for us. And God says, you are not grown. You are not mature. So let's look at something that is written in Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 to 2. It says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. So Paul was writing to a Galatian church. In fact, Galatian church was a very interesting church. Experienced the liberty of God and they were going back into bondage because the Jews wanted them to go into circumcision and all of that. So Paul was talking about all of that and telling them that, look, in Christ, you have been given an inheritance. But he says that the fact that you have been given an inheritance, and that's in chapter 3, the fact that you've been given an inheritance does not mean that you have access to the inheritance. He says that the child... The heir, the one who is entitled to the inheritance, as long as he is a child, he is not different from the slave. Because the, the, the father has given the inheritance to the heir, but the heir is a child. So the inheritance is in the name of the child, but the child cannot access it because the child needs to grow to have access. And he said that the slave in the house does not have the inheritance in their name, so they don't have access to the inheritance. The one who has the inheritance in the name too does not have access to the inheritance because he's not grown. So they are both the same. So, so many of us as believers have 
access i mean we are supposed to have access into the things that god has for us but because we are still babies in the lord we are no different from the unbeliever who does not have the promise of salvation so our lives are not a reflection of the things that god wants to do because we have not grown we have not matured now to talk about maturity we need to talk about birth because you can't talk about being matured if you don't talk about being born Anything that is maturing must, should have been born at one point in time. Hallelujah. Yeah. And so, we are going to look at the idea of being born again. Because when we are born again, then we can talk about being matured. And the reason I'm not skipping to the, the things you need to do to mature is that I don't want to assume that all of us understand being born again. And I don't want us to skip that important step. So, let's turn our Bibles to John chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. John chapter 3 verse 1 to 6. He says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things, these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is what? Is spirit. There's a very interesting discourse going on between Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a chief Pharisee and teacher of the law, uh, and, and Jesus Christ and Nicodemus is expected to know the law but he comes to Jesus to, to inquire because I'm sure Nicodemus has observed, had observed that Jesus was doing so many mighty things and he said I need to find this man and corner him and find out how he is doing this and so Nicodemus comes to Jesus and when he comes he says that master the things that you are doing no one can do them unless God is with him but look at Jesus Again, he shifts the conversation from what Nicodemus is saying and says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I mean, what has the works that you are doing got to do with being born again? But Jesus was trying to draw Nicodemus' attention to something very important. He was saying that you are talking about the works, and these are works of the kingdom. You are talking about signs, and these are signs of the kingdom. You are talking about miracles, and they are miracles of the kingdom. But you can't even jump to that unless we talk about the basic one. That is, you must be born again. So you cannot see the things of the kingdom or the expressions of the kingdom unless you are a part of the kingdom of God. So he says that unless you are born again, you cannot what, see the kingdom of God. You cannot experience the things that, that you see me doing. And what Jesus was trying to tell us is that, look, you can't see the, the fulfillment of the things that God has purposed and planned. All these amazing things that God has written in the scriptures. You can't see them in your life unless you are what, born again. That is the starting point. Jesus says, Let, let's not jump to class 6. Let's start from KG1. You have to be what? Born again. Now, when Jesus uses the term born again, we, we get to understand because Nicodemus, like all of us, if I was the one having a conversation with Jesus and he said that you must be born again, I'll be wondering, how, how am I going to be born again? 
I mean, would I enter my mother's womb and be born again? But Jesus says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of what? The spirit is spirit. So he's given us an idea of what this born again experience is. So let's go back all the way to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. The Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became what? A living being. I like that scenario. I always try to picture it in my mind. How God took the dust and then, like I can just imagine God like this, and then just forming the, the man. I, I can imagine how Adam looked. The first man that God took his time and formed from the ground. And the Bible says that when he formed the man, he breathed into the man the breath of life. And that, that word breath in the Hebrew means spirit. So he breathed into the man spirit. And, and then the man became what? A living soul. In other words, that man that was the dust received another man inside. And that is the, mm, the actual person. And then the man became a living soul, become conscious. And so, we can see from this passage that, that man is made out of three parts. Body, soul, and what? Spirit. From all indications, you realize that the actual man, the actual person from this passage is the spirit. Because the body was lifeless. It was when God breathed that something entered into the body and then the man became what? A living soul. And so the man is a spirit who has a body, who, who dwells in a body and has what? A soul. Let's all say, the man is a spirit. He dwells in a body, and he has a soul. The man is a spirit. He dwells in the body, and he has a soul. So 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, I mean, and Paul was trying to help us to understand this body, soul, spirit thing again. He says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying that let God sanctify you wholly. And then he mentions the three parts which makes you whole. Your body, your spirit, and your soul. Now so we are trying to understand why Jesus is born, born again. So the real person is not this body. The real person is the spirit. And that spirit needs a house to dwell physically on this earth. So that's why God gave you what? A body. That's why one day when you die, the body will go back. Because the body, the body was taken from here, so it has to go back. And then the man has a soul. The soul is the conscious part. It's what makes you think. It was, it's what makes you feel. It's what makes you appreciate things. It's what makes you make choices. The soul is what made baby choose yellow today. So, so the soul is a very funny one. It, it, it depends on the mood. So, so a lot of us are very soulish. So we, our lives are like a pendulum. You swing one, two, three, depending on the mood. Oh, today I feel like coming to church. So tomorrow I don't feel like coming to church. So like the soul is, is what is really... Now, as a believer, when we, God will next week, I'm going to deal with the steps in maturity. If you don't have control over your soul, your soul would, it will lead you in places you don't want. You have to get to a place of maturity where the spirit is in control over what is happening, not the soul. 
And if you follow this one, as of this one, this one likes everything earth. Because <laughs> it came from the earth. Food it likes. Everything earth it likes. So if you give this one the chance to, it will lead you in places you don't want. So, so, so people invest so much into this. But the real one is the one inside, the spirit. And so Jesus said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then he concludes and says, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Because something happened that necessitated being born again. So let's read Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 to 17. It says, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, God was speaking to Adam and said, look, every tree here you can eat, but the, this one, you can't eat it. The moment you eat it, you will die. Now, God gave that instruction, and when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and, and, and sinned against God, in fact, we should expect that they were dead physically. I mean, all of us, after reading, you will surely die. You should be dead. That's why Satan came and said, you will not die. Is it a temptation? You will not die. Because Satan was now interpreting what God was saying from the physical and said, you will not die. God knows that you will not die. That's what, that's what the devil does to a lot of us. Oh, God says, don't sleep with that boy. Oh, sleep with that boy. Nothing will happen to you. The devil is very, very, oh, God does not want you to enjoy life. That is why he says, oh, you twist it. So the Bible says that after Adam and Eve ate, in Genesis chapter 3, we saw them walking around. They realized they were naked. So what death was God talking about? When God said you will surely die, in fact, the Hebrew means to lose one's life. It's, it's an indication that you are not responsive to the realm that you are. So if someone dies physically, the person is no longer, the person cannot feel anything. Now I've gone for funerals and people are crying, the person is still lying down. Uh, you know, I've seen people dance around uh, 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 what they call the corpse, and the corpse is it's not, it's not responding. I mean, the day you go for a funeral, the corpse also gets, that, gets up to dance. Yo, you all run away. <laughs> like the news I read last week, they, they, they mistook a woman. They said there's, a, there's a, a medical term for it. You can actually like, be like you are dead. Like all your pulse, everything, but you're not dead. You're in a certain, it's not coma too. So they were going to bury her. When they got there, then the woman, in there, in there, this day. So they, they took her back to the hospital because it was from the hospital. They, so they took her back to the hospital. After seven days, she died proper. <laughs> but she went into that state, and they mistook it and thought she was dead. And you can actually come back again. So, so, but but that's not the kind of. So if you saw anyone coming up out of a funeral or from a what do you call it, a funeral, you some of you ran like. And so, when someone is dead physically, they are not responsive to their environment. They, they can't feel anything we are feeling. They can't respond. And everything that happens around them, they can't. Now, when God told them that the day you eat of the food, you will surely die, he was talking about spiritual death. He was saying that the day you eat of the, food, of the, of, of the food that is there, what will happen is that there will be a disconnect between yourself and myself. 
you will no longer be responsive to the realm of the spirit. That is why after Adam and Eve sinned against God, they went to cover themselves. He said what? We are naked because now they were disconnected from the realm of God. And so they could see their nakedness. The glory of God that clothed them where they walked around and never noticed that they were naked. For the first time, they realized they were naked because the glory was no longer covering them. So that is what happened to man. In the garden, the man's spirit died. It got disconnected from God. But the body was still living. The soul was still alive. But there was what? A disconnection between the spirit of God and, and, and man. But the interesting thing is that it didn't end there. Because we would have thought that Adam and Eve, after they sinned, they obeyed their own sin. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was not in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over those who have not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So what he's saying is that, look, none of us sinned the sin Adam sinned. But after Adam sinned, the sin was passed on to all of us. So I'll say, uh, what, what crime have I committed that Adam's sin must be passed on to me? Because Adam gave birth. And the, the whole nature of man was passed on to the next generation. And it's been passed on to us. And that is why you don't teach a child how to be naughty. Children do naughty things because in their nature, there is sin. Who goes to school to learn Thieving 101? People steal by default because sin is in them. People do all forms of things because what sin is in us. And so man lost that relationship with God and it was passed on generation to generation to generation. So now when people come into this world, although they are physically alive, although their spirit is in them, there's a disconnect between God and the spirit of man. And that is called death. So God said, I will find a solution. Or no, not I'll find a solution. If I say I'll find it, as if God was surprised. God had already put the solution in place. And so right there in the garden of Eden, he said that the, the serpent shall bite your heel and you shall bruise the head of the serpent. The seed of the woman shall bruise the serpent. He was talking about Jesus Christ coming one day to die. And so God's provision to cause us to come back alive is to let someone take our place of death. And the only person qualified to take our place of death was Jesus Christ, the sinless son of God. He's the only one who did not take the Adamic nature because the one who impregnated Mary was not Joseph. And for the, for the avoidance of doubt, when you read Matthew chapter 1, the Bible says Joseph did not know his wife until she gave birth. So we can't say that there was any contamination anywhere. Jesus was the only person, the sinless son of God, who could redeem us. And so God brought him so that that life that you lost in Adam, you will have that restored in Jesus Christ. That is why God says all you need to do is to believe in his son that he came to die for you. That is as simple as that. And your life is restored. The same way Eve believed the lie of the enemy, God wants you to believe the truth in Jesus. Then you are restored. 
So when, when, when Jesus told Nicodemus that you have to be born again, what he meant was that your being born again does not mean you have to go into your mother's womb a second time. It is a spiritual condition where your spirit, which was once dead to the things of God, is made alive again and restored back in fellowship with God. That is why the, the unbeliever sins, just sins. Like, because sinning is in the nature of the unbeliever. Have you realized that sometimes you see some nyati nyati girls with some skimpy things and they are going with some guys in the night and you're like, ah, this girl, what is wrong? You see, you are seeing what is wrong, but she's not seeing anything because the spirit is dead to the things of God. And once the spirit is dead to the things of God, anything goes. That is why it is unfortunate when you also come to know the Lord and you believe in the light of God that you are also doing the very things that the one who is not saved is doing. There is a problem somewhere. That is why we are dealing with unto maturity. So he says you must be what? Born again. And if you are not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And how do you get born again? John 3.16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now this passage is still the conversation Jesus was having with Nicodemus. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have what everlasting life. You have to just accept that God loves you and brought his son Jesus to die for you. And he says when you believe, you have what everlasting life. When you believe, then God gives you his life back. You are reconnected to God. Because now God takes away the sinful nature and gives you his own life. In Romans chapter 9, 10 verse 9 to 10, he says that, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You, you just need to believe in your heart and confess him. That is all. There's no gimmicks. Everything is just believe in Jesus. Accept him. So the whole idea of being born again is the idea that a person comes to the acknowledgement that I need God. I am disconnected from God. And the only one that can connect me back to God is Jesus Christ. That is all. That's all born again. So every time someone comes to know God, um, comes to know the Lord Jesus, it is, there's an, a new person born. That's why the Bible says that there is a rejoicing before the angels of God in heaven. And some of you think that that scripture says there's a rejoicing before God. It's before the end. God himself rejoices. If God himself dances before the end, the moment someone comes to know the, the Lord, God is like, I've given birth to another child. Now, can you imagine the joy God gives birth to another child? The joy. Then, then you can imagine millions of souls being won, thousands of souls being won, even one soul alone being won. The Bible says there's joy before the angels of God. And who are they before? It's the Father. So he's rejoicing before them. So when you come to know the Lord, you are what? Born again. Please send to your neighbor and ask the person, are you born again? Ask another neighbor, are you born again? Maybe to help us uh, ask in chi, Hallelujah. Are, are, are you born again? And, and so, what he's saying is that, that, that when you are born again, the verse 3 says that 
Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So when you are not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So now Jesus, this is where the conversation comes, becomes very interesting. Nicodemus comes and says that, Master, the things you are doing, no one can do them except God is with him. He says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus said, you are looking at the works, but what makes the works possible is for you to be born into the kingdom. That if you are in the kingdom, you can now experience the things of the kingdom which you see me doing. So for us to experience the things of the kingdom, we cannot escape what? Being born again. When you are born again, you begin to see the things that God has said. That I, I will do this for you. I will do that. You will see that. You, it's an experience of the kingdom. But you see, the thing about the kingdom of God is that it's not just about the things that God says he will do for you. It's about the things God also wants you to do for him. Because the kingdom of God is the domain where God rules, where he's concerned about the welfare of the citizens. So God is concerned about us. That's why God says that don't think about what you wear, what you eat, what you will drink. Because it is the Father's pleasure. It is his desire. It is his will to take care of you. Some of you are too worried about how I'll survive. God says, I'm taking care of you. As long as you are in my kingdom, I'm taking Because every king is responsible for their citizens. It's not the democracy where they say each, each man for himself, God for us. In a proper kingdom, the king is responsible for the welfare of what? The citizens. But also in the kingdom, the most important thing that prevails is the will of the king. Whatever the king wills and desires is what must prevail what? in the kingdom. So when he says you will not, unless you are born again, you cannot experience or see the kingdom of God. What he says is that when you become born again, you begin to see two things. The first one is the king concerned about you. The second one is your response to the will of the king. Now, when you take these two, that is actually the, the, the starting point of maturity. Because you realize that, ah, the king is responsible for a lot of things in my life. So I've stopped worrying. I've stopped, I mean, being anxious. The king is responsible. I hand over everything to the king. But then again, you realize the king has a will. And the will of the king is so important that if I adhere to the will of the king, I will see the desires of the king come to pass in my life. So a lot of us have turned the whole thing upside down. Our born again experience, we, are, we received a message that said, come to know the Lord and everything will be fine for you. Haven't some of you heard that message before? Come to know the Lord and what? Everything will be fine for you. So you bought that message. Come to know the Lord. Ah, everything will be fine for you. So immediately you also came, you gave God timeline. God, they said everything will be fine for me. So I give you five years. Everything must be fine. 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 And when you don't see everything is fine, you say that, ah, this is not what I signed up for. Charlie, Jack, God, I don't think you are the one. Let's go for another one. But when you are born again, truly born again, God's desire, yes, is to take care of you. But his desire is to see his will manifest in your life, which is more important than anything else. And so Jesus said that, Unless you're born again, you cannot experience the things of it. Because the kingdom has so many things in it. And God wants us to experience them. 
So before we even talk about maturity, let's look at a few things that are in the kingdom that God has for us that he wants us to see and experience. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing means every spiritual blessing. It means that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It's your blessing. It means that you shall be the head and not the tail. It's your blessing. Every spiritual blessing that God has, that you that that your seed will not uh, what will not miscarry. It's it's a blessing. It's a spiritual blessing that your life is preserved. That with long life I'll satisfy you. It's what it's a spiritual blessing. He has blessed you with every one of them in heavenly places. Now the reason why we are doing this series is that a lot of us. Your, your blessing is still in the heavenly places. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't come to the earth yet. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When you come to know the Lord, he, he puts away your past. And he says, all things have become what? New. So when someone is looking at you and condemning you, you are new. Like recently, Shalom sent me some killer picture, be of his, um, some old time this I saw the picture I said Charlie this guy he was he was he was Wagadri guy <laughs> just from the picture without knowing the guy just from the picture you see this guy Charlie God has brought him far <laughs> all things have passed away beyond all all things have become new Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 and 6. Verse 6 says, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to God. God has made us kings and priests. That is an amazing part of our born again experience. As a king, God has given you authority. That's why I keep on speaking to you. That look, take charge. You have to have authority over the things that are happening in your life. You, you have to speak life. Because you have you been made what? A king. Do you know why he's called the king of kings and the lord of lords? He's called the king of kings because he's the king of you and I. We are all kings. He is the king of kings. Not just kings in, in the sense of the worldly kings, but kings, his children. And he says, not only have you been made a king, you have also been made what? A priest. That means that you have direct access to God. And I tell the people of God, the same access I have to God is the same one, though. There's no other passcode. We all have the same access through the blood of Jesus. We all go. I, my access is not different. I don't have a VIP card to God. We all have the same access. But some of you want to hear that pastor has a different access. Charlie, last week I had a certain revelation. You see, now the realms I have got to in God, and, ah, you need to come. So, that, 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 those are the things you want to hear, that you get excited. Charlie, pastor has got to some realms. We haven't got there yet. Let's consult pastor. Like someone, I met someone, the person said, oh, pastor, then I'm, I'm wondering, like, hey, Jack, we all have what equal as the same blood. The blood that gives me access is red. The same blood is red. Mine is not blue. The same blood of Jesus. And 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 so this is a promise. And and this something that you need to have. Now, first John 5, verse 4 it says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Once you are born of God, you are what? An overcomer. There is something inside of you that must overcome. 
There's a seed of God inside of you. Now, these are all part of the kingdom. This is how Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5 to 6 says, Even when we're dead in trespasses, he made us alive. Now look at the verse 6. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ah, can you imagine? He has made us well, sit together with Christ in heavenly places. And, 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 and the last time I checked, the principalities and powers are beneath Jesus. Why he's seated in heavenly places. So if you and I are seated together with him, where are the principalities and powers? Beneath us. They are beneath us. Some of you are afraid of the witch. You are afraid of the wizard. You are afraid of the, uh, what do you call it, kakamu tobi. You are afraid of everything you are afraid of. Even cockroach is passing in your, in your room in the night. You think it is a certain witch that has come. So instead of taking the slippers and killing the cockroach, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Hey, <laughs> Olive oil is in trouble. But, but they, are, they, are, they, are, they are beneath us. You see, if you don't know these things, then you can't mature. Because you'll still be a baby. And still be thinking that, oh, yeah, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Nowadays, the witches and wizards in my family, they are, what? 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 They will, the Bible says they will gather, but not by me. The gathering, they shall surely gather. They will. God is not promising you they will not gather. They will gather. But not by him. Because they are beneath you. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17, it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And any tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall what? Condemn. This is the heritage of the sons of God. And their righteousness of me, say the Lord. That's what he's saying. It is an inheritance from God. Oh, my time is up. First Peter chapter 1 verse 3 to 4. Um, he says in the verse 4, he says that he has given us an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for us. So one of the privileges of the kingdom is that you have an inheritance in heaven that is reserved for you. It's, have you gone to a place and they say, seat reserved? It is reserved for you. It is not corrupted. It's undefiled. It, it's not like the house that can, can burn down. It is not like the car that can have an accident. It, it is not like the money that can go away. It's not like that. It, it, it can't be corrupted. And he says, he has reserved it for us. I can't wait to be with God. I can't wait to be in heaven because there is an inheritance for me. Reserved. I'm sure my name is on it. Emmanuel I.J. Do not touch. I, I, have, you gone, have you gone to um, a shopping mall where they have, they have displayed items and they, they said this one sold, sold already. You, I mean it's sold. You can't touch it. Like it's displayed. You can like it all you want, but it's sold. There's an inheritance that is what reserved for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 32 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He would not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? If God is for you, who can be against you? 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 7. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Some of you think that it is so difficult to live a separated life. He says he has called you into holiness. He has called you what? Into holiness. And then the final passage, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 to 20. I like this. He says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? 
Another privilege of being in the kingdom. Your body is what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. Wow, the Holy Spirit did not find any place that my body to use as a temple. Can you imagine? And he says, who is in you whom you are from God and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's because you were bought at a price. And the price tag on your life, no human being can pay for it. Not even the Saudi Arabians who are buying the footballers. No, no one can buy. No one can buy you. No, no one. No oil money can buy you. Can I, can I show you your value before I close this? Your value is equal to this. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 25. He said, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Then look at the next statement. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In other words, there's absolutely nothing you can exchange for your soul. Like if they sell everything in this world and put it all together, I can't buy your soul. If they put the billionaire's money, Bill Gates, Dangote, all of them, they put their monies together and they come to buy you. They can't buy your soul. So the only thing that could buy your soul was the blood of Jesus. That's the only thing. That's the only exchange that could take place. That's the only price Satan understood. And he says that, look, all of these things have been done for us so we can be in the kingdom. All of these things have been done for us so you and I can enjoy the kingdom. But it doesn't end there. You have to grow in the kingdom. And that's what we are doing this series. So God will let us I'm going to show you what to do in growth. Because these three parts of your being, every one of them need attention. The body. There's something you have to do to it. The soul, there's something you have to do to it. The spirit, there's something you have to do to it. And if you do to each of these, you will see yourself growing and maturing in the Lord. And I pray that we'll have a mature church. And people who are growing in God. And people who are not babies. The starting point is being born again. But you don't have to remain there. You have to grow. And I pray that the coming weeks, as we learn on this, that you will actually grow and become all that God wants you to be. In Jesus' name, shout a big amen.